ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Dynasty Junkies podcast. You've got your host here for the night, Andrew Hall. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew Hall FF. Sitting solo right now. Scott must be having power issues, but that's all right. Maybe he'll join later if he can. But that's all right. We got plenty to talk about. Just myself and our guest, Joe Pisapia, Mr. Blackbook. How are you doing tonight, Joe? Yeah, you're not by yourself, baby. No. I'm here for you. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's have some fantasy football. I don't know where Rocky is. But uh, obviously, he's on vacation. He needed Rocky's a break. on vacay. I don't know. I think he's missing out. It's going to be a fun time, you and me. But yeah, man, I appreciate you having me. It's fun to come on and chat with you here. We're fun talking before the show. And it's the first time I think we're doing a show together. So that's exciting. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, embrace the power of being a host. That's what you want to do. Embrace the power, Andrew. It's what we're doing. It's what yeah. we're doing. I love it. Yeah, no, and we're going live on YouTube. We're going to have this out on podcast form in a little bit. But I do want to say again, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know you're a busy man. you got a lot to do. That's why we're doing this at kind of a different time for us, which is fine. Not a problem. But at the same time, you've been busy. We were talking about this. This is your sixth show of the day. Is that right? That is correct. That is correct. We did a baseball show this morning, football show. Uh, then we had a betting show, and then uh, I had to do a couple hits on television. Then I did a little spot on a Bengals thing, and now here I am with you. So, uh, okay. yeah, it's that's right. Oh, 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 my goodness, that's right. Wow. It's a theme tonight. It's the that's Bengals right. theme. So right. uh, all of that, but yeah, man, it's uh, again, this is it's a blessing, man. I'm very lucky to you know I I've scratched and clawed to get here, but I'm very lucky and, and grateful for being here and being that that's my world where I just talk about football and baseball and analyze stuff all day that works for me as i said before we started it beats the hell out of working for a living no it is work but yeah it does beat the hell out of working nine to five right you get to work six to six right wait hang on <laughs> uh, hey six to <laughs> longer six to nine it depends six in the morning you know i'm up at six in the morning before my alarm at seven every day putting in a good hour and a half before the baseball show just getting prepped and things like that look at the dfs late doing all that stuff so we, and it's only a half hour show but, you know, you want to be prepared with everything that you can go in there with. And that's that's the thing. Like, people don't understand how much actually goes in to doing a good show and making something look like it's just always happening, you know, just like boom, like all of a sudden just poof, magic. But that's not the case. But, you know, it's it's this is a football season. We're here and I'm very excited to be turning the page. That's for sure. Amen to that. Amen to that. All right. So before we get into soup, we do what we are going to talk about running backs tonight. That's kind of going to be our theme is, is to kind of hit on some running backs and how they play into dynasty. And we'll get into some of the dynasty stuff in a minute. But I do. There are a couple of news items I think we should talk about. 
Um, maybe they're nothing, maybe there's something. And that's kind of what this time of year is all about, right? You hear camp blurbs, somebody got hurt. Oh, they're fine. Oh, nope, they're hurt. Oh, they're out. It, it's, it's all confusing. So I think the first thing I wanted to bring up, I'm sure that you saw this. I know we all kind of did. Uh, when we're talking about the news, uh, Rashad Bateman, is that injury going to be a big deal or not? What have you heard? What do you think? I mean, just kind of where are you at with Rashad Bateman in general right now? Well, I'm somebody that's high on the talent of Rashad Bateman. And I actually think Lamar Jackson has the next gear in him to become a better passer at the NFL level. He was a pretty good pocket passer in college. People kind of forget that. And the Ravens offensive line is built for run blocking, not so much pass blocking. So it's been kind of a, an uphill slog for them. They also didn't have nearly enough wide receiver talent. I mean, Marquise Brown is not enough. I mean, Marquise Brown is a mistake wide receiver. And by that, I mean, <laughs> he make he makes it takes advantage of mistakes. Yep. When a cornerback falls down, when a guy misreads the coverage, whatever it is, he can take advantage of that. He can't get open on his own very well. He doesn't run good routes. He doesn't catch the football all that well. But Rashad Bateman, you know, has a lot of Keenan Allen vibes about him. And I think that's very exciting. It does matter that he's missing time because as a rookie, you want to get in there and get your reps in with the quarterback. But the good news is he was starting to, if you want to look at what the silver lining is to this cloud, yeah, the ADP was starting to rise on Bateman because idiots like me keep talking him up, right? <laughs> so now this injury knocks it back down. So now he's going back down to where he was, which is pretty low because people are always worried it's a long season. Again, we're talking weeks, not months. So that's a good thing. Um, you never want to see injuries. You never want to see soft tissue injuries. You want to see any injuries. But at the end of the day, what this is doing is suppressing the ADP back to probably where it should have been anyway. And that's actually a good thing. So I will still be drafting Bateman now. He's going back where he was when I liked him so much, as opposed to where he's been in the last two weeks leading up to this news. Yeah, and I, I'm right there with you. I think this, if anything, this is something that makes me kind of happy. I hate to say it that way, but like I'm with you. Like his value is getting right down where I can get him again. Mm -hmm. I don't mind drafting rookie rookie receivers in redraft or dynasty. Of course, in dynasty, but in redraft, their first year is always a little hit or miss anyway. Right. And this offense isn't really built for that kind of receiver. And like we don't know what that's going to be. And it's the perfect talent versus opportunity kind of talk that you know kind of precedes a lot of these types of players when they come in. Like, well, they've got the talent, and then they go somewhere. Oh, they don't really have the opportunity. But we've all seen how that can change in a heartbeat right uh and i'm with you i think lamar jackson definitely needs to take a step up and if bateman can be that guy then that helps everybody uh, at the same time i mean bateman i he's a terrific talent and if he's hurt even in the beginning of the season he's probably not going to produce a ton at the beginning of the season anyway rookies tend to struggle so maybe this makes him a i don't know week four week five week six breakout instead of week one or two i'm fine mm. with that i can wait in most cases well, but yeah i'm right there with that lower yeah, it's like I don't I don't mind that at the at the cost he should be going at and the cost he's going at now. So I'm right there with you. I think this is probably a good thing for his fantasy value. I, I do hope he is okay and I hope he's not hurt. And I'm not trying to wish any ill on the player, of course. He's a good guy. But I just do think that, that we as a community, I want to put myself in this bucket. I think we all kind of overreact to some of this injury news, yes, especially in right. August when you actually start to see players play. You start to see balls in the air and you start to see tackles getting made and full pads. And, oh, my God, he's hurt. And it's like, oh, I just I missed it. You know, I just I needed that. So it's nice to have it kind of be real again. So I'm a fan of that. Um, the only other one that I wanted to talk about injury wise or news wise was Carson Wentz kind of back in the news, right? He, he was out. Everybody was saying, Oh my gosh, he's going to be gone. He might miss six weeks. Like this ruins the Phillies pick or the Philly Eagles pick. Like they're going to, you know, they get a worse pick conditional. Now it's not a first. Cause he's not all these different. What ifs kind of start cycling through. And then I think it was uh, Mortensen or somebody else even comes out today and is like, Oh no, he'll be fine. Like he's going to play week one. And I'm just like, I, uh, Okay, so what do you think about that? I mean, have you heard any any news? Does it change your mind? Does it matter to you that this well, sort of back look, Carson yeah. Wentz only comes into – oh, here's the thing. First of all, just Carson Wentz. Let's take him. Carson Wentz really only enters into the sphere of 
the concept of Superflex, right? He was a Superflex mm-hmm. QB2 that I thought actually had some upside. Or if you can get him as a three, even better. That's great. Um, I love him dropped from the worst offensive line football to one of the best offensive lines in football year over year. You saw what it did for Philip Rivers. After September, he really got confident again. He stopped seeing the ghosts, and he nearly took that team into Buffalo and won a playoff game, and that was pretty impressive stuff right there. I'm sorry. Yeah. The Buffalo Bills are a good football team. Yeah. So from Wentz's value, this is good. Now, the problem is he's also missing time in camp, and it is an injury, and it's something you have to keep in mind. He's not a running back, but a foot injury is important to any athlete, especially a quarterback, because you're talking about you know, being able to plant your feet properly and throw the football and deliver the football on time. The best thing about this news is the ripple effect for guys like Michael Pittman and guys like T.Y. Hilton and Jonathan Taylor, even to a certain extent, because now you're talking about what we were concerned with. Oh, my God, the Colts offense is going to be, you know, just dreadful for six weeks. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe Carson Wentz can get in there. And and I think that this is going to be a slow burn, too, because I think if you look at the Colts schedule, if memory serves, it starts off pretty rough. And then it gets better as time goes on. You get some games against the, you know, the Texans, the Jags. You know, like things start to things start to loosen up a little bit. Yeah, but right so out of the gate, that. right out of the gate, it's a little on the tougher side if memory <laughs> serves. So they probably weren't going to win those games anyway. So what you just want is to get Carson Wentz. You know, if you go one and three, it's all right in September for the Colts. It's just about getting him right. And you saw they got right at the right time last year, made the playoffs, almost had a huge upset. So fantasy wise, I love the upside of Carson Wentz. Uh, I think you can get him now still with the injury as a third quarterback. I'd love to nab him there in a super flex. And I'm still not completely, I'm not super excited about Pittman or T.Y. Hilton or any of those guys. I'll take him in the right spot, but it's got to be at a huge discount. And Jonathan Taylor, my problem is the cost. Like Jonathan Taylor is going to the same place as Nick Chubb, and that's not a competition for me. Like I like <laughs> Nick Chubb. It's just, you know, it's yep. just where I am. Najee Harris is in that same kind of conversation too. Taylor's very good, but, you know, I don't think Taylor is nearly as bulletproof as a lot of other people think. No, that's entirely right. And I agree with you. I think that this does kind of help everybody, but it doesn't really, it's almost like the, the thing that we see it happen all the time, the double counting, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, Wentz yeah. is healthy. Everybody's good. Wentz gets hurt. Everybody goes down two steps, but then Wentz is healthy. Everybody goes up four steps and it's like, wait, a, wait, a, no, we were already at, we were there before. We just need to go back to where we were. Now it's almost like Taylor's a top three pick again. And I'm just like, oh, let's not overreact, right? Uh, the community in general, I think, does tend to overreact and overcompensate on things like this. So when you get some piece of news out, it kind of changes the whole world and it can make it, I don't know, swing wildly the other direction. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. I got uh, Taylor as my keeper in my home keeper league in the fourth round. So I was like, as soon as I made that pick, Wentz got hurt. So I took it a little personally. So I'm glad that he's back and, and will, in theory, will play. But even if he plays, it doesn't change anything. Taylor is still Taylor. Hilton is still Hilton. You know what I mean? Like these guys still earn the targets they're going to get. And if anything, this keeps Wentz out of the preseason, which puts Eason and uh, Erlinger, I think is the other guy, right? Mm-hmm. Getting more reps and more snaps. That's probably better for everybody anyway. I think the worst thing that could happen, and I know I tweeted this when it happened, is like, bring in Nick Foles. Oh, no, no, no. We don't want that. We don't want that. Like, we're not no. doing this again, right? Let's not bring in Jimmy G. Let's not go for no, Jameis. You, gotta, you, you can't you do got. that to Wentz's, Wentz's confidence is already hanging on by a thread. Exactly. And I think it's, it's kind of crappy, too, because two years ago, Carson Wentz was the only QB1 who had a touchdown pass in every single game. Every single game, two yep. years ago. He was the My only guy who did that. Yeah. Now, that is consistency. That's pretty darn good where I come from. And then last year, the wheels fell off. But the wheels fell off because Doug Peterson's been a hammerhead coach his entire career. The time they won a Super Bowl, he had Frank Reich running the offense for him. And he was the la- and people forget that you know Doug Peterson was a laughingstock until he won that Super Bowl. He was the laughingstock, worst coach in the NFL, ha-ha, joke, joke. And now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you won a Super Bowl, it cures everything. It doesn't. He had a right. good run at the right time. Things just broke their way. And, you know, Nick Foles had his run, 
And you know what? Frank Reich did a great job. He got himself another job. And Frank Reich's been around football for a very long time. He was a great college quarterback in Maryland. He was a, a pretty good uh, NFL quarterback when he was called upon from the Buffalo Bills at times, too. And, you know, he has shown he's a very good coach. I think Frank Reich is one of the better coaches in the NFL. So getting him right, getting him in that better offensive line, it's the Nelson injury that we didn't talk about. Right. That's the one to me that you got to get that dude back because that, that dude matters is a more. monster. Nelson is the guy, too, that is such a monster. You want him. If you're going to keep Carson Wentz from seeing ghosts, you need Nelson healthy. So we'll see if Quentin Nelson can get back on the field. Yeah, no, and I'm with you. That is probably more important, but I know he, Quentin Nelson, we don't have a lot of offensive line slots in fantasy, so it's not like anybody's drafting Quentin Nelson, but I agree with you. He is still going to be a big linchpin of that offensive line, and, and that is kind of one of the reasons Taylor is going so high, so completely agree, and I definitely wanted to hit on that, so I'm glad you mentioned it. I think from here, we'll kind of get into what, what we said was our main topic. Maybe we'll use that as a, as a segue, in a sense, and I know you're the king of segues. I'm not quite there yet, but <laughs> I do think we can talk about some dynasty, and I want to get into some of that here, and before we really go into running backs, how many dynasty leagues are you in? How long have you been playing dynasty? How familiar are you with the format? I know you do a lot of work with fantasy pros on their, uh, you know, standard redraft show and things like that. And you and Yates talk dynasty all there and that, but mm -hmm. just to kind of fill us in a little bit, where, where are you at with your dynasty knowledge? I am in a 16. Well, it's a 32 team uh, dynasty league is what it is. It's so it's, it's two, it's a copy of every player. So 16 teams in one half, 16 teams in the other conference. And it's with, Bob Harris and Mike Dempsey and Matt Waldman and Jeff Manns and all those people. So it is, it is a, it is a super competitive dynasty IDP league, nonetheless. Oh wow! Okay? okay. So this is this is so that is the monster, right? And I actually run it with Scott Bogman, my good pal. And because I was like, look, Bogman, I play IDP, but you're the IDP master. If I'm gonna, and he's also the college <laughs> football master. I was like, look, I want to do this. I love the dudes. I love Bob and Mike who invited me into the league. You know, and it's like Gary Davenport and John Lobb and all these great, like every, just fantastic group of people, right? And they're like, you, you come do the league, you got to do it with me. I need some help. Okay. We got to do this together. And, you know, I like what we built. This is year two of it. That's been very good. I just joined another Dynasty League this year. Uh, I like the Dynasty League format. And, and, you know, for me, it's still, it's not all as different as, you know, it's funny, Dynasty League Baseball is very different because of the minor league systems and understanding how that works and prospect equity. The NFL is very different. I think you're still trying to win in that two to three year window because these leagues don't last 10 years necessarily. If they last five or six, that's great. You know, you get a lot of turnover, you get people who get disinterested, all that stuff. So, you know, what you want to do is draft a team for a two to three year window. And I like the Dynasty League Challenge, but uh, I also, you know, the redraft, the turning over players, the annual value is where I still play the most of. But I can see myself getting more dynasty football oriented in the next you know year or so, just because I do enjoy it and having to cover college more like I have to this year, and you know that is something that's appealing to me, and I think it gives you a better idea of what the talent is when they come into the NFL, which is very good. Like we all do our scouting before the draft and all that stuff, but that's different than watching the games and watching a lot more of the games. So now that I have the 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 ability to do that and in, in the uh, the wide enough spectrum of my schedule to make that work then I, I think that's something that if you're going to do it seriously, you really should be really into that college world as well. You can't just kind of watch NFL. Oh, you're exactly right. And I got to be honest, we got, we got a visitor. <clears throat> Our man, oh. Scott Sidlow is able to join. So we're going to, we're going to see if we can bring him in here. Hey, Scott. Hey. Oh man. Andrew, Joey P. What's, what's going on? What's up, Scotty? How are you <laughs> this doing? This is amazing. I, uh, we are. Hey, I got some... bumped from my top spot. What happened here? <laughs> I'm just teasing. Sorry, bro. Just it's all right. Um, it's all right. 
we're having some technical difficulties here. I'm currently hotspotting because we don't have internet. Most of our neighborhood and this town doesn't have power because we've been getting crushed by storms and tornadoes. And uh, we're about to get wrecked again here in about 15 to 30 minutes. So if I disappear, um, <laughs> hold down the fort, Andrew. So, I got you. I got you. Uh, yeah. But anyway, now that I've completely derailed things. No, 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 you're fine. I think I wanted to bring you in here because we're talking Dynasty. Obviously, this is the Dynasty junkies. We're junkies. We're ridiculous addicts that do this all the time. Uh, so we we kind of need our fix. And I was even going to say to Joe, the reason well, I got into Dynasty because some friends of mine wanted to keep playing in the offseason. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. And I became a junkie because I love trading. And like with Dynasty, you like in March, I can make a trade in Dynasty. That I love that. Like that is phenomenal to me. So I guess, Scott, now that you're kind of in the room, we were just about to get into running backs and stuff like that in Dynasty. Perfect. Uh, I know that you've seen the show sheet. Obviously, we have some different topics we want to talk about. And I think one of the things with Joe on tonight, I wanted to make sure that we kind of connected a little bit to redraft. I know that you're in Dynasty and you're a fan, like you mm -hmm. said, Joe, but you do a lot more with redraft. Uh, with your black yeah, book and everything. It's funny. Like I went from no dynasty to the most insane dynasty league yeah. one could ever possibly join. There was no in between. There was no gateway drug. Thirty-two teams. I almost said something. Zero. I'm like, you went oh, right man. to like all the way in full uh, IDP. Oh, oh, if like, I was gonna man. do, well, the IDP is something I like anyway. So Fair. you add in the IDP and then you add in the copies of every player. So there's two of every player. The way that league is structured. So basically, it's like two 16 team leagues operating. In, in their in own tandem. kind of universe yeah, yeah in tandem at the same time so that's kind of fascinating right like sometimes yeah. you might be playing against some of your own players that week it's very bizarre how that can happen like that. but well, so um, it is madness and then of course then you start talking about like the, the the caliber of football analysts that's in that league it's just no easy outs man it is rough <laughs> like, well, see i was gonna say with running backs though are very different in redraft and dynasty right in dynasty like you hit on hit on it perfectly like two to three year window right running backs tend to have a two to three year window kind of out of the gate right uh, they don't get to a lot of second and third contracts with running backs right so how do you value running backs differently yourself between redraft and dynasty i know that you do a lot of leagues in both and mm -hmm. you're familiar and you're mm -hmm. in this crazy 32 teamer but like is there much of a difference to you and how you value them between the two leagues <laughs> Yeah, well, I think you nailed it. I mean, you know, the running backs nowadays, I mean, if you get four years out of running back, that's great. You know, um, it is very difficult. And especially the 17-game season is really, you can see just that one addition of the extra game. You're seeing a lot of teams kind of take on this committee approach or share the workload or let's manage guys, especially the first six weeks of the season. It's only one game, but it's still another game. It's still another week of practice. It's still yeah. another week in the NFL. So I think that what you want to do is you want to use that draft capital you have in the rookie drafts to get that premium running back talent like that, because chances are if somebody drafted them high, like you see ETN or Najee Harris, right? Their plan is to have those guys play. They don't, you don't spend a number one draft pick on a running back to have them sit. That is not, that is not the goal. Cause you don't see a lot of number one, you know, first round capital being used on running backs at all anymore. So the fact when someone does it, that's an eye opener. Uh, you're seeing Michael Carter this year, Javante Williams, I think is going to have, you know, certainly his time. Trey Sermon's another guy, too, I think is going to really, you know, show out as the season goes on. So I like that. I also think that, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking the approach of, you know, living in the now with running backs. You know, if you want to go and it's a startup dynasty league, there is absolutely nothing wrong still with drafting Derrick Henry. I, and you'll say, well, the workload. And I was like, yeah, but the workload the first two years wasn't all that much. And also Derrick Henry is a freak of nature. And also in college, he shared the workload. So like, you know, you have to, you have to understand it's relative to the player. And I think you also want to understand too, that long-term investments, if you're putting salary cap in this and all the, you know, the, the auction draft strategy as well, 
they're not the best long-term investments that you want to tie up a lot of money in too if you, you can go. avoid yep. it because what you're trying to do you know the wide receivers are going to give you six years of productivity quarterbacks sometimes 10 you mm -hmm. know if they're a really good quarterback like trevor lawrence should be a very sought after asset because i find it very hard to believe trevor lawrence is going to have a good nfl career so it really is again it's it's about are you playing super flex you're playing an auction how do you want to you know adjust your strategies to that but when you're valuing the running backs i think trying to get the best bang for your buck is what you want to do and understand that it's probably going to be the position where you're going to have the most turnover every year or two because there's guys that pop up and then like james robinson popped up last year i don't know if we're gonna see james robinson again after this year i really don't well there goes that question all right i'm not Sorry asking that, that one right, no, no that's the perfect segue you said i gave the good segues there you go it's what i did no it was but i also didn't have it on the show sheet i also want to bring <laughs> I wanted to bring Scott into this, though. Obviously, now that you're here, while we have you, Scott, uh, what do you think about that? I mean, are you on the same page? I think everybody who plays Dynasty is pretty much of the same mindset that running backs are kind of expendable, right? I mean, it's sort of the way to play it. I mean, you know, the game has changed, right? If if you guys, and I know you guys remember, um, <laughs> when Barry Sanders retired in his prime, he was 31. Like mm -hmm. how many 31 year old running backs do we have going right now? You know, it's like people were like, oh, wow, look at this guy retiring. He's in his prime and all, you know, it's like, all right. Yeah, they don't even make it to 31 yeah. anymore. So, um, you know, yeah, you kind of have to adjust with the times. Right. So I think kind of the the old strategy or the tried and true strategy is build around your quarterbacks and super flex and your tight ends and tight end premium and get your young wide receivers. And then you can just plug in running backs because. You can always, you know, fill those spots. They tend to produce quicker, things like that. And so that's generally my main strategy um, across my portfolio. And Joe, I'm in, uh, I'm in more than forty dynasty leagues. So um, that's I, a lot, my friend. I'm a true junkie. <laughs> that that might be an addiction. That might be an intervention where we got to yes, sit and talk well, to you. Yep. Forty. I assume you know. you're using my playbook. That's the only way you could possibly manage all of those things. Yes, I am. Okay, yes, good. I am. I've been <laughs> a subscriber I'm for kidding. for years. Yes. Honestly, like I I don't know, like forty. That's a big number. That's an impressive. Seems like, like a lot. Lineup. Is my worst seems, nightmare. Seems like a lot. Yeah, it does seem yeah. like a lot. Oh, he, here's a question. Do you, are you able to really like give your all to forty? Like okay. So this is <laughs> maybe you killed the internet in the town. That, yeah. All of yeah. those leagues. Maybe that's what um, I'm thinking. I look at it as a portfolio approach. So okay. when I right. when I find a player, when I find a you know, when I when I read your RPV, you know, uh black book listen. First look at this. Oh, look First at a product all, placement. A paper copy, right? Oh, it's the, the best way. I mean, you want the paper copy. Yeah. So I mean, honestly, I've been reading it for years. It, it Thanks, really is God, incredible, and that. it helps in Dynasty too. So don't just think well, it's Bogman a redraft. Well, Bogman crushes that. Like, when that we were talking before, so Bogman does that Dynasty league with me because yes. I don't trust anybody else to do a league with me. But Bogman, <laughs> pretty much Definitely. right, that I like really trust. But you're right. Like his his breakdowns of the of the college football talent is just stunning. Like like he just incredible. Such, and he's coming on this year to work with us at Fantasy Pros. I got him awesome. in the door. So he and I are awesome. going to be doing a college football show every week and we're also going to be doing an IDP show every week. Wow. Now. So that's, be, that's, that's added now in September. So keep an eye out for that. But, you know, I always wonder, like, when you have that many leagues, like, how do you do it? But it's an interesting take. You're like, it's a portfolio. And I look at it and buying shares and stuff. That's very cool. How, yes. How's the portfolio worked out? That's my question. So this is really, I mean, I've been playing Dynasty for like my first league was uh, 2014. 
but I didn't get like super crazy into it until about three years ago. Um, so this will be for most of my leagues, either my third year or fourth year, maybe third rookie draft type of thing. Um, so overall, I, I am very much in the positive so far. Good. Uh, interestingly enough, my startups, uh, my orphans have as much success as my startups. So maybe I'm just, maybe I just suck at startups, but uh, I actually I, have the taken same way. I'm the same way. Like my orphans, great. yeah, my so, orphans, they tend to do better. I feel like I'm just bad yeah, at drafting. That's what that means. But, like, all right, I, I, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's really interesting. You guys, whatever, whatever works, right? But yeah, I did just get my first three P, and that was with an orphan that I took over. So very nice. Um, yeah, you never, you never know, right? Well, I'm, I'm not in 46 leagues. I'm only in 15 dynasty leagues, which you know, that's that's, that's still that's something. That's still a high number, but that's like okay, manageable. Like I get. I'm, I'm, I'm the like... new junkie, right? I'm, I'm the new host, new co-host on this shit. Like I'm just <laughs> getting into the habit, and it's it's terrifying. Um, but I, we did have a comment I had to share from our friend, the other host, Rocky Petrella. Build around your QBs, he says. Sure. And we all know this. The Rocky Patella way is to build around everything but QBs and to go get guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick and Kirk Cousins. And like those are your guys. You must be old. Rocky loves that. We, we anybody who knows Rocky knows that's his mentality. It's the Petrella way. You know what I mean? That's just what he's he does. So. Do not build around the quarterback. Or do no, build he builds around receivers and, and running backs, and then gets quarterbacks every year. Well, he in a single, well, right? But so many of these startup dynasties are now super flex. Oh, he's in super no, flex. No, he's. Superflex. Yeah. He's talking about Superflex. Yeah, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll run into the season. He'll run into the season with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ben Roethlisberger, and Cam Newton. You know what I mean? Daniel, like he'll just go low. A lot of Daniel Jones shares. Yes, yes, and he's in a bunch of leagues too. But I had to bring that up. I want to we were play in the leagues that. with Rocky. Then with all of that, yes, we all do. We all <laughs> do. I want to play against you and your Daniel Jones. That's what I want to do. <laughs> all right, well let's let's keep going on running backs here for a little bit. I know um, we talked about it kind of, but I mean, do we even care if running backs get a second contract? Like, does that even matter to you? Does that move the needle? Like Mixon just got signed. Did that make his dynasty value go up in your mind? No, the thing it did was last year made me very excited about Mixon because they made the commitment. I thought it was a smart thing to do, especially when you consider that you have a young quarterback. The best thing you do is you have give him a running game to take the pressure off of him, right? Especially yep. if the O-line's not great, the defense is terrible. Like, at least give him the kid a running game. So I was like, good, that's a smart move, sign Mixon. And then he got hurt, and I don't understand why they never brought him back because it made no sense. You're already losing. What's the point? So, yeah, I mean, you don't get – it's funny when Scott was talking about uh, – <laughs> When Barry Sanders retired at 31, remember that was shocking. It's like he's got so much football left, <laughs> like at 31, yeah, right? That's exactly that was the thing. It was like I can't believe he left. He like left when he already? was already. Are you sure? Already? Like, yeah. you're done now. You have so much. Uh, yeah, that was what the times but, have changed. You know, it's I I think it's that four year when you when you go past the four years is when there's a finite number of guys and those guys are pretty much hall of famers. It's the Adrian Peterson lot. You know, Zeke is at a crossroads for me right now. Like to me, this is where Zeke shows you, is he going to be a hall of famer or is he going to have that second leg of his career where he's going to have another three or four good years or was last year, the beginning of decline hard to tell because when Dak went down, things changed dramatically in mm-hmm. that offense. But that's the thing. It's, it's very hard to get to that point. And if I'm looking at the board and all the guys, right, you know, I keep coming back to my boy, Derrick Henry because you want to stand in front of Derrick Henry and tackle him because I don't I don't want to do it and I consider myself a tougher guy but I'm, I'm not doing that like nobody's is, that tough he is a man that is a man right there well, and I just think although the the workload's very high you have to understand too like it, it has to do with the the power the size of the running back the scheme in which he's working all that stuff and I think this year he won't have as many carries probably I mean that would be kind of unnecessary when you look at adding Julio Jones but I think you're looking at like right now, like if you gave me Nick Chubb to start a 
um, a dynasty league is my running back. I'm very happy with Nick Chubb. I think well, he just Chubb signed the contract, right? So right. that's kind of why he I was just signed talk a contract. Yeah. But but I also think Nick Chubb is the he's the focal point. Yeah, everything runs off Nick Chubb. The best version of Baker Mayfield is because he can run play action uh, with Nick Chubb running the football. Like that's that's exactly what you want to do. So I'm looking at like who can be really good in the next two to three years and be consistent RB one. I think it's Chubb. Um, Barkley would be great, except that he hasn't been on the field for two years, basically. And that's, you start to look at it. McCaffrey, you know, he was number one pick. We had high pick in our dynasty league. I was talking about, I took McCaffrey. We thought we were in a good spot there. Wow. This is really good. We still took the risk. You know what? Didn't work out. But he's <laughs> still one oh one. Like how often does that happen? Right. Where you well, take a guy and you you're feel trying like to give him hit? the benefit of the doubt. Now yeah. Yeah. the problem is what happens this year, if it goes South again, then it's, no, then all of our still. worst fears about the size of Christian McCaffrey have come true. Yep. And I think they'll come true sooner rather than later. Najee Harris is a fascinating investment this year because I do think that's the guy that has a good three to four year window ahead of him with I'm the with Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know how much longer Roethlisberger is going to play or not, but the Pittsburgh Steelers are a very good organization and they're going to figure it out like they always do. Yep. I'm not worried either. I'm right there with you. And Scott, I guess, did you have anything to input on that? I mean, second contract, does it matter at all in your portfolio? Um, I think you have to really look at the details of the contract because I'll give you one example. Um, Aaron Jones, right? Like we were all like free Aaron Jones for so long. They finally did. He's a Mm -hmm. stud. We're all happy. Like everyone's right, you know, and then he gets the contract, but it's a four year deal, right? So people are like, oh, he's locked in. I'll, no, you know, not. I'll pay, AJ pay will for be him. over there in a year. <laughs> it's, yep. it, he may be, it's two years is like, there's a 90% chance that he's gone in two years. So mm-hmm. I think you have to pay attention to that. And, you know, he's definitely a guy that I'm okay with on my teams where I'm competing, but I'm going to be looking to get out next year, you know, yeah. no matter what happens this year. I agree. And I think you're yeah. absolutely right there. Well, and Aaron Jones is actually a guy I had in one of my leagues where I'm contending, where I came in second last year and I still got a great team. And I, I think I can you know, make, make it happen this year. And I traded him before he, he re-signed because I'm like, I, who knows where he goes, right? Like yeah. it, it was one of those, like, I don't know where he, he could go to Detroit and, and mess that whole thing up. Or he could go to Washington and mess Williams that up. Did. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, yeah, exactly. Which I was so close on that call. But no, it was like, it was so many places he could go that would be worse or that would be a committee and all that. You know? So I was like, I don't know. I'll just get out now. And I traded him for Swift. And a couple, you know, in a bigger trade oh. or whatever. But I was like, I'm okay with this. I got a little yeah. younger and all that. So it wasn't a bad that. trade. But it was like when he was, when he stayed, I was like, I probably could have gotten more now. You know what I mean? Dang it. Because that's where everybody <laughs> wanted him to be. And I'm right there with you, Scott. He's only got a couple years really till it matters. But I do want to, let's get into the next segment on this thing here real quick. Not the trade yet. But we want to look ahead at the ADP. Uh, we did this, uh, the Junkies did this last year. I know Rocky, I think uh, I think Dustin might've been on the show last year. Yep. But the idea of this, this process is to look at the ADP of the top 12 running backs, and I'll read them off here for you guys, <clears> but <throat> take a look at that and then say, which one of those guys will not be in the top 12 next year? And then which guy do you think will be in the top 12 next year? And so the idea behind this is try to see if we can predict values, right? You're talking about Derrick Henry. Is he a great pick? Maybe he's still not. He's in the top 12. Maybe he's not. Right. So before we get into it, I'll read off these. I'll be pretty quick about it. We don't need to get nuts. But Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor. And you got at five, Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, Cam Akers, <laughs> Nick Chubb. And nine, you got Ezekiel Elliott, Antonio Gibson, Najee Harris and DeAndre Swift. So I guess we'll kick it off with you here first, Joe. Which running back other than Akers do you think is dropping out of that running back one? <laughs> well, Akers was the easy ADP? answer. Damn it. All right. Uh, no. Um, it's a, you know, it's a pretty good grouping. And I like it Antonio is. Gibson as a talent, too. So I'm actually, you know, I'm high on him. I don't like him as my RB1, but as an RB2, I think that's a perfect fit. 
So uh, is he the one you think that might be falling? If he's no, an RB2. I think DeAndre and... Swift is the guy that would ah. fall out for me. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's twofold. It's number one, I, I think all they want to do is run the football there, which is great, except that I'm worried about two things, either running Swift into the ground, literally, like physically, and he also had concussion issues last year. And people mm-hmm. kind of forgot about that. And they were bad concussion. Like, he missed time. And it was tough for him to get back through the protocols. And when you have something like that happen with a young player, it's something to be aware of because he's going to take more hits, especially in an offense that wants to run or is going to have to run the football as much as they do. So if I were to circle somebody, Swift would be the automatic easy one. Although it wouldn't surprise me if Elliott fell out of there and we were in that, okay, now we're in the latter half. Now, the good news is Elliott's come to camp. He looks a little lighter. He looks a little better. So maybe that was part of it too. Maybe just wasn't where he should have been for the length of what the season was because a lot of players weren't sure if there was going to be a season. So they didn't train the same way. They stopped training. This year he looks like a, a little bit you know slimmer version of Ezekiel Elliott, which I think is good at his age for his legs and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside this is a good group. I mean, if Taylor fell out of favor, it wouldn't surprise me either. There's a couple guys on this list that it wouldn't shock me. You know, But that's running back is so volatile. Right. What do you think about Zeke, Scott? Yeah, I mean, I I put down uh, two names, and uh, Zeke is is definitely on that list just because you know workload and um, you know Mike McCarthy. If you look at his history, um, he's he's had you know top running backs in that system, right? But they they haven't typically lasted long. It's maybe a couple years, and they they tend to run them into the ground a little bit. Um, and I don't really know if that was the system or the talent, right? You don't you don't ever really know. Um, and looking back, maybe some of those players weren't really that great, uh, like Eddie Lacy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Zeke, I mean, no surprise that an Ohio State guy got out of shape and, and didn't care too much. Um, no, no surprise there to a Michigan Ouch. fan. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think you just kind of got to look at age and workload. And I know Barkley might actually be another easy name on there just because I think people are kind of out on him. But he's he is such a free, I mean, his thighs are bigger than most people's heads. I mean, I, I just, I can't, I can't get <laughs> off that train Even yours, Even ours. Like, so yeah, I, but, yeah, but that's the thing, too. Like, I, it's a part of me that wonders, because he was used so heavily in college, and his thighs are bigger than his knees. True. Like, true. are we at a point where, like, is he too strong for his own good? Is that what's, how, is that what's pushing it's the possible. leg injuries? Because he it's is possible. so powerful, because he works so hard on that area of his body it's 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 like when you look at Giancarlo Stanton in baseball for a moment if I may you look at him he looks like an Adonis right and he can't stay on the field because it's always a pulled muscle here and a problem there and and you know it's like the overtraining almost becomes a difficult thing and that's you know you look at Frank Gore who's just Frank Gore and he's 100 years old and he goes out there every year and playing football it's magnificent to watch it makes you wonder how it's possible but But you know what Frank Gore is a great example too because he tore his ace I mean he tore up his knee at Miami He comes back. He, he tears up his other knee, and you're like, "Man, this guy's so talented, and his career is probably over, and whatever." And then he had, look but at he how was long never he the physical specimen so, of a guy like Saquon. No, and I you wonder about him, some of these physical specimens, and if that is indeed, you know, it's it gives you the power and the speed, but does it hurt the durability factor? It's something I think we have to start asking ourselves: is you know the way they train and how they train, and you know, uh, look, I, I love Saquon as a talent, and I would really like Saquon to get back to being Saquon. But I think we all would. I, yeah, think, sure I think all too. of us. I mean, can you take Saquon Barkley this year and not hold your breath? I mean, any, if I mean, how, how many in your forty leagues? How many Saquon shares you got? Eleven. All right, and are, and <laughs> I are bought you seven your of them this year, though. 
Yeah, at a discount probably, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah, my Scottish Bowl team. <laughs> yeah, that's how you do portfolio style. Exactly. Yeah, and I think uh, I, I don't disagree with Zeke. I don't disagree with any of those guys. And really, and we've seen this, I guess, with running backs more than any other position, in my in my opinion, is that the top 12 is literally a yearly who knows, right? Like one injury away. Like Dalvin Cook a couple years ago, right? He, he kind of was injury prone and had this tag, and he was kind of falling down draft boards. And then, nope, now he's number two in DLF ADP a couple years later. Isn't this when he's supposed to fall off? Like, isn't he at his peak? Nope, he's number two in DLF ADP as of July, right? Uh, the only one that I would add, and you kind of said it before there, Joe, is I, I'm not sold on Gibson. Obviously, he came in as a receiver, kind of transitioning to running back. Mm-hmm. I think that team is going through a massive transition, if not this year, next year. And I think they're going to be in a really odd spot for a You're running right, back like Gibson. Be. So that's what makes me a little nervous about him, just because he could he could become part of a committee. He, In my opinion, he's the only one on here that stands out as a – He's got the opportunity and the talent now, but that opportunity could go away in a heartbeat. They could draft somebody next year. A new coach comes in and they got a new regime or whatever it is. And that just makes me nervous. But again, we're trying to predict a year away from now. Like nobody's good at that, right? Like we're, we're all bad at that. That's otherwise we'd be playing the lottery and not doing what we're doing here, or at least be doing a lot better at what we're doing here. Um, <laughs> so I guess that's kind of who we think is going to be out, but let's go the other direction with it. And Scott, I'll give you this one first. Who do you think is going to jump into that RB1 that's not in those top 12? So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of names. Um, yeah. I mean, it's honestly really hard to pick one. I, I think there's a few guys that I'm looking at this year that uh, maybe underperformed based on expectation or whatever. So a guy like Clyde Edwards Alaire, who yeah. in the in the dynasty community especially, just going to Kansas City just rocketed him up, right? And I mean, the thing is, he's locked in there for another four years. He really doesn't have any competition. They've revamped that O-line. And, oh, yeah, they still have Mahomes. So oh, is that team good? I forgot. Yeah, are they going to be playing yeah, with the I lead a lot? I'm not I sure. Yeah. pretty okay. <laughs> um, so a guy like that who, yep. even though I don't love him, I just feel like he has all the opportunity in front of him right now to be able to jump up that board. And, and again, his situation is always going to put him ahead of a lot of other guys. And then, of course, his age, too. So you just have those factors. Um, and then I think even a guy like Mixon could rebound, too, uh, just based on the offense. I mean, I was really excited about Mixon last year. Uh, you know, unfortunately, injuries kind of took that away. But again, I don't know who's blocking on that line. Their line is atrocious, uh, but they don't need linemen. Just ask them. You know, no, they're trust fine. me, I'm a Bengals fan. We can so. get into it. I know we haven't had this discussion <laughs> yet, Scott, but I'm not yeah. afraid of the line. The line got better. That's all that I need to know. It's, we're still in the bottom half of the league, but adding yeah. one player yeah. wasn't going to change that. When you're at Let's the bottom, honest. there's nowhere to go but up. But yeah, exactly. Thank yeah. you. You get right. it. Yeah. So I, got, it's, I got you. It, I'm a Bears fan. Top. I mean, come on. We're not going to get into that. But at the same time, <laughs> the same time, I agree with you 100% though on Mixon. I think this year is going to be a really pivotal year for him as a running back, especially in fantasy, because there are a lot of fantasy managers who've been burned by Joe Mixon, right? And there is this kind of consensus going around that. All right, Burrow's coming back. They got Chase. They got a really good offense. They got rid of Geo. It's mixing season again. And it's like the third time that Lucy has put down that football and Charlie Brown is getting to run up. And come week three, it could be Mixon pulling the ball out, right? And so I think this is kind of the, the last straw for a lot of fantasy managers out there that are kind of like, Agreed. all right, I'll give you one last go around. But I also do think he's got some of the most upside in the NFL to hop into this top 12. If that offense is as bacon as we think and is going to be crazy and go nuts and have all these points, more opportunity for touchdowns, right? Like, let's get everybody up the line. So, And they don't have a really solid tight end, so Mixon's going to be on the field a lot, running out and wide and slots and all this. Like, so there's... 
four good options there, and I think it helps them all. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. The only other one that I would add before we toss it to you, Joe, is I think Austin Eckler has a good chance to be in this too. I think depending on how his season goes, we could see him in a PPR league especially. I think he's yeah. going top 12 already, and it's one of those guys that, again, has a ton of opportunity on an offense with a great offensive line. They went from one of the worst to one of the best. Um, so, again, I, I think Eckler's a pretty good choice, but what do you think about that, and I guess who would you jump in there, Joe? I don't love the play calling of Lombardi. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's, that's fair. scary. That's, yep. And I also think it's interesting that they drafted Roundtree and they have Jackson still there. Like, Joshua Kelly was a bust. But I think that they want to have another looking for something and they want somebody who's going to have the touchdowns. And I think that's going to be the annoying thing about Eckler. I think he's going to be all those guys like you love him at PPR, but like the touchdown number might be lower than you want. And that's going to piss you off. Like that might be the thing that keeps him out of the 12. You're right, though. The opportunity and potential is there. And maybe he becomes that all world dude. I mean, it's very possible. Uh, Travis Etienne is the other one I would add into this. There you go. Um, Very high on him. Um, High on him for several reasons. Number one. He's a phenomenal talent. He just is. He's a great yeah. running back in college. But also the familiarity with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you don't get this very often where you get this combination of you guys that played together in a winning environment where they trust each other and now they're getting to the NFL together. And I think especially from the jump, if you're a young quarterback, you want to lean on the pieces that you trust. And Travis Etienne is that guy. And, I mean, you know, I understand James Robinson had a very good season. He's a wonderful story. But he's also an undrafted free agent from a previous regime. So you can't think that he's going to stop the emergence of ETN. And if ETN lines up in the slot and catch, I mean, that's not a problem in my book. That's great. Let's do that. Can we do that all day and have him catch balls everywhere? Yes. Awesome. Please sign me up. So I agree. And and Scott's hesitancy and frustration of saying Clyde Edwards Alaire, I feel like exactly how I how Scott feels about that because it's like yes, that should happen. But there's something there that you just go with Patrick Mahomes. He just doesn't need to do anything else except throw touchdowns to those guys. It's like it doesn't matter. Like after that one Kareem Hunt season, we've all been chasing like, well, there could be another running back in there. And it just hasn't materialized at all. (laughs) So maybe it happens with Clyde Edwards-Lair. Certainly when Bell got there last year, it muddied the water a little bit to the point where it just kind of, I don't know. It just is frustrating. I think Lair is the smart answer. That's the answer I would have given. I think ETN is that guy that right now is just... I think there's a lot more opportunity than people realize. And again, it's more of a PPR one. It's not a standard format, but still playing standard. I don't know. I Non-PPR, you know, I call it. I'm not I'm not calling it standard You're anymore. Right. That's not fair. Super That's flex not standard. standard. There you Super go. Flex standard. Super flex PPR is standard. And this is just not <laughs> no, standard. ETN yeah. is that other guy that I think you got to circle. <laughs> that I think you got to think, okay, if everything breaks right, he could be in that conversation. Or at the very least, starting to think, okay, he's put himself in a position where he should be valued as such. He might not finish there, but he might be valued as such because of what you see in the first year. So here, let's segue seamlessly okay. to the next seamlessly. topic of interesting running back situations. You bring up ETN, you bring up ETN lining up outside. Is that going to be the kind of committee where you see Robinson in the backfield and ETN lining up out wide? I mean, are you nervous at all about Robinson in terms of, you know, affecting you know, ETN's production, I guess? Is is Robinson somebody you're targeting as a flex or bi-week no. filler? I mean, I want no like Robinson. That? I got no Robinson. No room on my roster for any Robinson. And I and I like the guy. He seems like a really yeah. good dude. But I, I think that Robinson, you will see. Robinson will be there. September, Robinson will annoy you if you have Travis Etienne. <clears throat> but I'm pretty sure what I'm going to see is what we saw in the latter half of last year when we saw Jonathan Taylor emerge. That's what I think we're going to see out of Etienne, just a guy who's just uh, going to be a beast. He's, <laughs> he's going to dominate. Gonna a, he's going to dominate eventually, and it's going to take a little while, and that's okay. So patience will be rewarded here. So if you're drafting him, understand that. It might take six weeks. 
but it might not. I mean, the yeah. unique thing is, like I said, I keep coming back to the Lawrence issue, and it's all about it's there already. It's built in. And Urban Meyer is not stupid, okay? Urban Meyer understands this. And Urban Meyer is going, just like the organization went to him and said, well, you want us to take your friend here? Okay, we're going to take your friend here. If you think Trevor Lawrence did have a hand in that draft pick, you're nuts, okay? I'm sure that they could have gone a lot of different ways with that pick. They had a lot of needs. Running back was something that's more of a luxury item. But you know what? They went specifically. Especially first so, round. Right, especially yeah. first round, right? So if you did that, there's a reason, and you are going to make sure he is part of the game plan, and I think over time it's going to show out. So I, I am not somebody who's drafting Robinson, though. What about you, Scott? How's your portfolio look on Robinson? Do you got any shares at all across those I leagues? Had so many last year. It was awesome. Uh, I actually I actually drafted him. In, I don't remember if it was uh, Scott Fishbowl, if I drafted him there, if I, I picked him up early. Um, but I did draft him in a couple startups late. Um, I had a whole bunch of shares. He ran me uh, really into contention in, in many leagues. And I was able to shed every single one except one share. I still wow. have that like one uh, just-in-case share maybe or whatever you want to call it. But I just I have one share remaining. I made a nice profit on him. And I will forever love James Robinson for that. I think that's the way to be. And I'm, I'm kind of with uh, Mr. Blackbook over here. I don't think I'm <laughs> drafting James Robinson anywhere. I, I just I have a hard have time with redraft. It. No. Yeah, it, redraft, it terrifies me. But even in like Dynasty, if I were to do a startup now, I, he's not someone I'm targeting. He doesn't have the draft capital, clearly. Uh, the team went out and replaced him with solid draft capital the next year. I mean, it wasn't like he was given a year to try it again. I mean, whole new team, whole new offense, whole new everything. And he was the first one to kind of be out. Him and Gardner are both sitting on the bench like, we had a good run, right? Uh, so I, I'm but not worried about either. Well, no, but I mean, like, they think they did. Yeah, for fantasy, they did. Well, for fantasy, I don't know, but Gardner had a good run. <laughs> but Robinson it was had a good startable run. one week. It that's was good literally point. nothing else to do except run the football in that offense. And that's yeah. going to change significantly now. And yeah. you know, it's reminiscent also a little to me. Remember C.J. Anderson came out of nowhere. Yeah. He was everybody's favorite waiver wire pickup, won everybody leagues. And then the next year, every other piece of published football literature had him as a RB1 yep. fringe first round, except the black book. We're like, no, that's there no, 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 no. We're not doing that because Thank there's nothing that. that backs that. You're welcome. There's nothing that backs that up. And it's one thing when you play with Peyton Manning and you have all this stuff going on in this scenario, not to mention that Denver had been a, a factory of running backs for over a decade where anybody who shows up there and a couple of chop blocks later gets a thousand yards. It's just, that's what they used to do in Denver. Okay. And, and I just think you have to kind of recognize the situation and recognize that you're drafting a team, especially in dynasty. You're not, you're always looking forward and not backward. And I think it's very dangerous to look backward in dynasty. That's one of the things I think people get caught up on the most is trying to use last year as a gauge where really you've got to keep thinking about what's the season look like this year and what's the season look like not in September what's it look like in October November December because that's the difference well so with that in mind I guess the other running back that I kind of other grouping I guess I wanted to bring up for sure tonight with you was was the other rookie Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon who was a you know two years ago was probably a running back one in dynasty, right? Like he's one of those perennial top 10 running backs. And you've got this new rookie coming in Javante Williams, not with the draft capital of ETN and Melvin Gordon is significantly better than Robinson, right? So it's not identical, but it is a rookie kind of joining the, the old guard and sort of the changing of that. I guess, Scott, what are your thoughts maybe to begin with? Where do you think Javante lands? Is he the guy to have? Is it uh, going to be more of a timeshare? Are you avoiding Gordon? What are your thoughts on that, that whole backfield in Denver? Yeah, I never, I never had a ton of Melvin Gordon, even when he was um, elite, or I guess he really had only one 
elite year. Um, I mean, he had several good years, but um, I I like so a lot of times for running backs, I'm following systems, and uh, I <laughs> it's gonna sound weird, but I love Pat Shermer. Um, he's a terrible head coach, but <laughs> offensive coordinator. <laughs> That's a different story. And there's a lot of guys like that, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and I, I'm always in on his running backs for the right price. Um, Javante Williams is someone I really liked. I'm curious, Joe, to hear your thoughts on him in college and, and what you thought watching the film um, and just kind of breaking him down a little mm-hmm. bit. But, yeah, I, I like Javante a lot. I found myself with significantly more shares of him in my rookie drafts only because I can get him so much later, you know, Najee's yep. going a lot earlier. So if I had an early yeah, pick, I was taking a quarterback. Two, you're not getting Najee. Yeah. So, you know, um, I have a lot of Javante. So I think just by default, I'm kind of rooting for him. Uh, this, this year may be a little bit of a timeshare, but ultimately, you know, the talent's going to win out. And especially if their quarterback situation mm-hmm. doesn't settle and they need to lean on the running game, you know, you're going to have to give it to the guy with fresh legs. I love Javante, um, and I also love the fact that he didn't carry all the workload himself in college. Yes. I love those backs. I love the backs that are really good, and they share the workload, because that means when they get to the NFL, they're not completely burned out. And that's some of those things like you've seen in those Georgia guys, right? Back in the like you saw like Todd Gurley, and then he gets the NFL, he has two glorious years, and then he's gone, and Sony Michelle, and you go, you go you go through the Georgia running backs, and you're like, well, by the time they get out of here, they got nothing left in the tank, and it's very frustrating. Uh, that's why I love that situation with Williams because, you know, he wasn't just the only guy there. And then, you know, Melvin Gordon, God bless him. Like, he's a good running back. But, like, wh- why do we live in this world where like, Melvin Gordon's not an older running back? Melvin Gordon is also, by comparison, Melvin Gordon right. is a running back that has gotten hurt quite a bit at the end of seasons here. And <laughs> he cost me multiple fantasy championships. Okay. So, you know, I feel this pain and I feel like I'm the only guy going, yeah, Melvin Gordon's here, but if you are. If you're looking at a, a like you said a running back that you can get at a little bit of a discount and has so much upside just not even this year but even next year it's Williams like Williams is that great ROI and I think Sermon's that too I think Sermon's in a phenomenal spot there because I do not I never bought Raheem Mostert I don't buy into guys who are in five organizations in three years there's no way five NFL teams missed on a talent two three okay four that's pushing it five no. Five NFL teams did not have a guy come through their system and go, this guy's terrible, and cut him, and then he becomes a really good player. He hit everything right at the right time in a perfect offense set up for the run. That's it. Uh, I was very high on Jeffrey Wilson coming into this year. He got hurt. They signed Wayne Gallman. Okay, whatever. They drafted Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon already getting a lot of good buzz out of camp. That's another dude that I think is going to, as the season goes on, be very, very useful to people, and I like him a lot too because you got to love whatever running back you get in that Shanahan offense. Even if there is more than one, it seems like they invested in him, and that's something when you invest in a running back and you get good buzz out of him and Mostert's contract can be gone in a snap, uh, I don't see why you wouldn't do that. So, I mean, I think it's a perfect uh, juxtaposition where you've got Mostert, who is pretty much all opportunity. And I, would, I wouldn't say low talent because that makes it seem like I've got more talent, but you know, lesser talent than some of the other guys. And then you've got Sermon, who I think is kind of pure talent and is in a muddy backfield. He's not given the starter role. Like, we don't know if he's going to have it right away. So the opportunity is a little muddy for him, but he's got pure talent. So I think we're going to see kind of in this season, maybe in this one, even in one game, you might see somebody where it's like Sermon comes in, breaks out, and you're like, well, Mostert's done. Well, that's because the opportunity changed, and he doesn't have the talent, right? That's why mm-hmm. talent is almost always what you're looking for in Dynasty. Yeah, always. Yeah. All right, so the only other one that I wanted to bring up, and, and there's a bunch that we can get into, but one that I specifically wanted to talk about was Damian Harris. I, I do think Damian Harris on the Patriots is going to be an interesting <clears throat> 
uh, sideshow, for lack of a better term, <laughs> because really it's going to come down to whether or not Cam is the quarterback or not, right? Is it Cam and he's running the ball in and therefore Damian Harris is worthless? Or does sometime, at some point do they just switch that whole offense and change their entire scheme and go with Mac Jones? And now all of a sudden he's handing the ball off to Damian Harris 14 times a game, you know, and he gets three touchdowns. Like it, We don't know when that shift is going to come, but I guess am I on an island here? And, and maybe, Joe, you can go first. What do you think about Damian Harris? Is he somebody you're drafting? Is he someone you're avoiding? What do you think? Well, that's He's on the team. red flag list. He's on the red flag list? Okay. Well, here's the argument I'm going to make for Damian Harris. Um, he looked really good when he got 20 carries a game in those games. Yep. Very good. He had zero opportunities because every time they got down to the goal line, Cam Newton tried to run the ball in four times. And sometimes it was successful. And if it wasn't successful after the first couple of weeks when everybody realized – that's literally all you got down there, that's right? It. Like, that's literally <laughs> the yeah. only thing, well, we're going to just stop Cam Newton. And then they did. And then everything kind of went south. How many times have we seen an organization draft a quarterback in the first round and him not play right away? It doesn't happen that much. Aaron Rodgers, right? Weren't there? Oh, was Aaron Rodgers a first rounder? I think he was, right? But Aaron it's like, Rodgers was a like, late first rounder, but that but was, there was like a transition 20 plan, years ago. Right? But even then, <laughs> like, there was like a plan to it, right? I don't know if there's a, these two quarterbacks couldn't be more different. They could, you know what I mean? Like, but one so of them different. fits the mold of what the Patriots have done for 25, 30 years. Yep. I mean, I'm a Patriots fan going back to the Drew Bledsoe, Chris Slade, Willie oh, McGinnis. Ben, you know, like I, I go back to that. Before Patriots they were team. the dynasty. Yeah, the yeah. Ben Coates, Curtis Martin years, the cool <laughs> yes. blue jerseys. Okay. Yes. So this whole run was beautiful. <laughs> like, uh, I really appreciated this whole run for Last 20, 20 years. Last 20 years have been good, yeah. Uh, spoiled brat. It's been brilliant i love it um and i am grateful and i understand my kids i had to shake them and be like listen this is not normal like every year we have a super bowl party and the patriots are in it this is not normal life this doesn't happen for anybody else again like, Bengals fan over here what do you yeah. mean the patriots the patriots aren't in the super bowl dad Brown's not fan this over year, there. Yeah. but they'll probably be back next year don't worry yeah. uh but when you make that investment in the quarterback and you think about the way this offense runs Historically, I think you're going to see that shift happen sooner than later to Mac Jones. I just do. I can't hear anybody tell me about the contract of Cam Newton. They paid Cam Newton because they could, because they had so much cap room, they could yep. afford to just pay him to make sure that they had an insurance policy so that they're going into the draft so they didn't get fleeced if they had to make a trade to move up to take somebody that they wanted. Instead, Mac Jones fell in their lap, who I probably wouldn't like any other place except with the Patriots, not because I'm a Patriot fan. I'm very realistic when it comes to fantasy about my own team and how frustrating they can be over the years. But the I, they can't think of a player where the, the value changes more than Damian Harris when Mac exactly. Jones is there. Damian Harris becomes very intriguing. Sony Michelle might not even see this roster at the end of the day. No, I think he's um, yeah. Ramondre Stevenson has got a lot of great buzz out of him so far. I, I think Harris is going to be the guy, and I think Mac Jones is going to be the guy sooner than later. So I understand why he's on the red flag. Like it, it does make a lot of sense. But I do think you are going to see that transition sooner than later. And when it does happen, I think he becomes one of those guys that if you invested in him on the cheap right now, he could pay dividends in the second half of the year. Yeah, Scott, go ahead. Red flag. Give me the red flags, guys. Yeah. So, the, well, the here I just I just want to ask you this. So, I mean, have you noticed any? <laughs> have trend? you watched the games, bro? Is that what you Don't even. I don't. I don't mean to get too specific, but I know you're a That's Patriots fine. fan. You watch the games. You know Belichick, right? So, I like, uh, as a fan, you could not be more thrilled. His like chess matches using different players james mm -hmm. white here and all the, you know what i mean and like as a football fan you gotta love that right 
But as a fantasy fan, like it's obviously driven people nuts for so many years because you have, yeah. you know, the but four Belichick touchdown game and the guys offenses around personnel. So and he's done it right. his whole career. If you go yes. back to early Tom Brady, which is going to be more reminiscent of Mac, early Mac Jones, yes, is going to be more like the Corey Dillon style, where you are going to have a featured running. That's that's and exactly becomes, where I'm going. Thank and you. if he becomes Corey Dillon, well, yeah, Whew. okay, that'd be fantastic. I'd love for them to become Corey Dillon for a couple of years. That was a nice little window you had with him. You know, when they drafted the two tight ends, because that was on the board. You know, Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. Everyone's looking around like, "What? What are you crazy? What are you doing here?" You know, they're crazy like a fox, man. That, that was a that was yes. a terrifying offense to try to stop. Right? Nobody had a plan. Nobody, nobody could do anything about that. It was one of those fascinating things to watch. Unstoppable. Nobody could figure out a defensive scheme that would stop that. And I think well, the interesting, the only way to stop it is to hit Brady before you could get the ball off. <laughs> and if you did that, that was literally the only strategy you could use. And eventually the Giants were able to do that, and that's obviously why the Giants won a couple of Super Bowls against them. But right now the talent is very clear. You have a young quarterback. What you do is you support him with the run game. The defense is still very good. They're getting all these pieces back. I think people forget that they had more pieces sit out last year than any other team mm-hmm. in football. So you're mm-hmm. getting all these pieces back defensively especially. I think that's a really interesting situation to be in. Young quarterback who has way more swagger than he should. You know, put your shirt back on, Mac Jones. Like, he, it's just hilarious. <laughs> But he's got that same weird thing. He's got that goofy white guy swagger that Tom Brady had where you're like, is this guy for real? And you feel like he's that confidence just rubs off on people. And it's kind of a cool thing. And, I, and I'm rooting for the guy. I've never been a Cam Newton fan, ever. Like, I didn't like him when he played in Carolina. Same. I've never been a fan of his. Um, it's just, just how I roll. I just don't like the guy. It has nothing to do with anything else. I don't like the guy. I don't think he's a leader. I don't like anything about it. It's a very more. Cam Newton guy. But Damian Harris, like I said, it's all about whether or not Cam Newton plays 10 games or two. And if he plays two, Damian Harris could have a very good season. If he plays there's 10, Damian Harris is going to be very difficult to have. There's something I think you, you hit on this before, and, and we haven't talked about it here. And I haven't heard it talked about much at all, really. But Damian Harris and Mac Jones were teammates at Alabama. Yeah. Right? Like, there is some no some little bit of familiarity there. So, that, that mm-hmm. like you said before, right? Mac Jones is going to lean on his former guy. He's He's going to make Damian Harris good. And I'm it's, exactly it's like right the there. podcast world. Like I want to do podcasts with people that I'm friends with, that I know, <clears> that I that I've worked a lot of shows with, that I trust. That's why I love Bogman and Welsh. The thousands of shows with those two dudes. They're yep. hilarious, and I know I can trust them in any moment. That is gold, and it doesn't but matter. That what lets you be risky, right? Because you yeah, know they're going to catch you. you. Know so they're going to pick what, you up. 100%. Exactly. So that's what I think. Mac Jones, if he gets in there, he's going to hand the ball off to Damian more often than the play calls may even say. Right. It could be like, you know what? I don't like this. I'm changing out of it. Damien, take me out of here. Right. Damien's also been in the league for a little longer. Right. He's got a little more experience. So Mac might look to him and say, you tell me what you want. And this could be a whole new like we were talking about running backs that could jump into the top 12. What if Damien Harris is one of those? And he's just going way under the radar because nobody wants anything to do with that. But like you said it before with Corey Dillon, like the, the Patriots have had a stud running back before. Does nobody remember the Garrett Blunt with his like, what, 18 touchdowns or oh whatever he God, had? Yeah. That could be Damien Harris, right? Like he's, he's primed for this kind of position. And I do think if he's one of those guys that I'm reaching for in like the sixth, seventh round, right? Where it gets to that like dead zone where I'm debating, well, okay, I don't like anybody on the board here. I, I kind of need a receiver. I kind of need a tight end. I'll wait. You know what? I could, in one quarterback, especially, I'll take a quarterback Look, you're now. Better, you're better off Damian taking Harris. those guys that, that exactly. like at least Damian Harris has potential. I think that it could be a dead zone, and it's an absolute dead zone. And look, I mean, he's got a he's got a 
a limit to the ceiling. I think we can all understand that. Like, I'm not sure. trying to make him, you know, Najee Harris here. No, all right, no, I'm not trying to do that. But, you know, as, as frustrating as we all talk about, oh, they're so frustrating. It's like, well, James White was a perennial high-end RB2 in this offense for a couple of years. Like, yep. it's, it's just you have to look at the offense, see what they are, and figure it out and see what how it's going to react and this is all about the quarterback it's all about who's yeah. under center for them for his value yeah and even that it's whole offense clear. kind of filters through all of that i too. love that so you it's... guys knew who Corey dillon was heck yeah man like, i could right say Corey dillon the yates and he's like who are you talking about like, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah he'd think is that a character on gilligan's island or something right, right? Like, go crazy old with it <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's let's kind of pivot into our next section i know we talked about this with something we do every week joe is we do something in a segment we call find me a trade right where okay. we get a user a listener i guess that kind of listens to the show and they want to help us out so they send us their roster and it's not just their roster we look at the whole league and we look at every other team there is and we say here's a here's a trade that i would recommend suggesting uh, i'm going to start with mine we're going to go through the team here first but i'm going to start with mine and kind of go through this but this league is a sleeper league uh it was submitted by steven sear who is a listener who's submitted this league it's a one quarterback league half ppr no tight end premium but 0.5 points per passing first down and one point rushing receiving first down so there's some first down bonuses here which kind of makes it a little interesting I think that, that anything you can do to make your league unique and stand out, I'm always a fan of that, right? Like that to me, it just makes everything a little wild, a little more fun. Uh, in this league also, you start eight. So it's one of those where you don't have to start a ton of players. So that's something to keep in mind, but it's QB, two running back, two receiver, a tight end and two flex, okay? Here's his roster. And I gotta be honest, this is a heck of a roster. This is one of the it's better really ones. Not our usual usual roster. <laughs> this is I was gonna usually... say, this guy is, uh, is anyone else trying in this league? Well, so this is one of those classic, this guy listens to the Dynasty Junkies and no That's one else right. in the clearly He's does kind inside. of league. You know, this is, it's fine. Yeah. Um, so his court, again, one quarterback. He's got Lamar Jackson, Matt Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Joe Burrow. Okay, so you're good at QB. Uh, running back, you've got Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, Chris Carson, Daryl Henderson, Gio Bernard, Todd Gurley, and Anthony McFarland. Kind of falls off a cliff there, right? Yeah. Uh, receiver, we've got Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Odell Beckham, Brandon Cooks, Antonio Brown, Curtis Samuel, and then on taxi, drafted this year, Rashad Bateman and Rondale Moore. Whew, that's a stellar crew. And then we got tight end. We're not done. We got George Kittle, Hunter Henry, and Logan Thomas. So this is one of those teams I look at and go, yeah, you're good, man. You don't need to trade. Thanks for coming out. But no, that's not what we do here. We find this man a trade, right? That's our whole goal. So we actually had Rocky submit one too, but I'll, I'll do mine first and then we can go into yours, yeah. Scott. Mine was, again, th there's not a lot of needs on this team. I'm looking at this team like, man, what would I even look for? Where would I be going with this? And I'm like, you know what? I could use another running back if Daryl Henderson isn't the guy. Your running back three is a little weak with Carson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you could use another player in there just to help out. So I'm recommending he makes a trade with a team named Spartan Batch Attack. Great team name. Uh, but he would send Odell Beckham and Matt Ryan because he's got plenty of quarterbacks and he would get Michael Gallup and James Conner. Now, part of the logic on this, the guy that he'd be trading with, the Spartan batch attack, only has Tom Brady. And then I think it was Jameis Winston uh, and a couple of other guys that were just kind of like not really even backup worthy to me. I'm like, if you're going into the league in a dynasty league with just Tom Brady, that's a perfect Rocky Petrella kind of league there. But at the same time, you're going to need a backup at some point, even in one QB. And then I think Odell Beckham still has a lot of name cachet. A lot of people look at him and go, hey, he could be a guy again. So then getting Michael Gallup in to replace Odell Beckham, well, it's a downgrade maybe. But I think in a year or two, that could be a great pickup. And then you're getting Connor to kind of flush out your your bench a little bit with some more running backs. So, Joe, as the, the, the guest on our show, what do you think about that trade? Is that one you would do or is that... 
I think you pick the right two guys to jettison from the <clears> roster. Uh, definitely Matt Ryan and Odell Beckham. I think those are definitely the two guys that I would be looking to move because that's where your strength is. But at the same time, I'd rather see if I could just get one really good running back, which I know is tough to say, than Connor. Um, Connor and Gallup is a nice haul. It's a very it's, it's a good move. Um, and you are adding some depth, but I'd rather add quality. Like, I'd rather move Odo Beckham and Matt Ryan and get somebody, you know, on that fringe of RB2 that's that I feel good about having the, you know, uh, an opportunity. Like, I just, I don't know, man. No, I, I'm with Kyler you. Kyler Murray to... just controls everything there, and I just I I don't think there's a running back that, that is going to be useful fans. Like, if you gave me Damian Harris in this trade, I'd be like, yeah, let's go. Like, i take yeah. a lesser. You know, that's exactly point. the kind of running back I would want on this particular team, ironically. I just know, looking at this, and, and Scott, you looked at these two, there were some there are some tough leagues. There are some tough players, some tough managers in this league that just, they're, they're, their teams are rough. And it's like you got to be careful if you're giving away Odell Beckham and Matt Ryan. Not every rebuilding team is going to want that. And a lot of the rebuilding teams are getting rid of their running backs. And it's start eight. So, of course, I'm looking – I'm the same way. I would want to consolidate, right? Like, let's get to – we only have to start eight. I want studs in all eight of those positions. So, but look, I was he's looking, got Carson there too. I mean, that – you know, Carson's very good. I like Carson. You know, you got Chubb, CMC, Carson. You're doing pretty good. You know what I would do, honestly, if you want to make some moves? Move these guys for picks. If yeah. this is a dynasty league. Move Odell Beckham for a, a round one pick, and then if you have a couple round ones, maybe you could package them and move up all the way to the top for something else next year. That's not that's a bad idea. That that's the trade that Joe's recommending. That's the trade Joe found is just trade you guys for picks. <laughs> that's simple enough. That works. Uh, Scott, what did you come up with though? What are your thoughts on on what you were able to find? And we'll get into Rockies. All right. So if we didn't if we didn't mention this, this is from our boy Steven Sear at Steven zero one two eight. So Steven, listen, um, one quarterback league. So I don't care about quarterback like literally at all. Um, But you have Lamar, so that's awesome. And you have Burrow, so that's really awesome. So cool. Um, If you can move a guy like Burrow, who has a lot of hype with Chase and some of those guys, like do it. It's one quarterback. You have plenty of them. If you can move a quarterback for any starter, and this is where I get into a little bit more of the philosophy. So it's only a 20-man roster, and start eight. And remember, the smaller the league size, the the higher the luck factor, right? So when you have, you you just have more stack teams, right? Better competition. Yeah. Now, dynasty is not it's not quite like a redraft league uh, because again, you do have some owners that have apparently destroyed their teams, uh, but you you also have some other good teams in the league that you want to compete with. So you want to get the best eight starters you can. Um, obviously depth is important, but you can find depth. Honestly, with a 20 man roster, uh, you know, that's like 240 players. I mean, most of my leagues are like 40. Yep. So this is literally half. Like I would, I would be confused looking at the waiver wire going like, Oh my God, why is this guy here? Why is this guy here? Why is this guy here? Like I I'd be losing my mind. Um, so you can, you could definitely find other players. You have a lot of top end talent and you want to continue targeting more top end talent. So my suggestion, honestly, is I don't have a specific trade, but it's to move one of your quarterbacks and or package with Henderson. Get rid of Darrell Henderson now because his hype is through the roof and it's it doesn't make sense. The guy's not good. So trade him while you can before he gets on the field and shows how not good he is. So, uh, like, statistically, could he help a team this year? Yeah. Is he going to help you? Probably not. I don't know when you're going to yeah. start him over CMC, Chubb, or Carson, and maybe even Geo, honestly, with, if, if he gets kind yeah. of that James White role, right? So, 
uh, with the receiver depth you have, even tight ends, I I may consider moving Kittle because it's not tight end premium. He's going into kind of this this pivotal year where we don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback. We have uh, you know oh, IU I think came we up, do. so <laughs> I well, think we know. Well, yeah. come Listen, on, as Scotty. the number one Trey Lance I, fan. <laughs> Well, okay. I'm number two then, so I think okay. we know what's going to happen there. <laughs> uh, I, I do see but a Yates lot of people selling Kittle and getting good a good return for him, so it, it may be that that opportunity as well when you have some depth there. But moving Henderson would be my number one uh, suggestion and trying to, again, if you can get a high-end running back, get that nice floor, that's what we want with a start eight. That's a good point. Yeah. And I actually looked at a couple to try to see if I could move Henderson and see who the acres owner was. Cause they're probably hurting. And I didn't really find anything that stood out. And again, I, I just, I'm really high on Gallup this year. I think he's going to be one of those guys that we see explode and, and not necessarily. Well, yeah. But at the same time, like, I just think that James Connor is obviously not somebody you definitely want, but it's somebody that people will throw into trades. No problem. And he could fall in the end zone 10 times this year. So it's something I do think that he has a lot of value and is getting, you know, undervalued. But I do I want to talk the about the idea of trading Henderson now too. Yeah, I thought that was peak. great. Yep, that's, and I think Rocky actually has a, a. You're not just a face here. You're very, very smart stuff right there. <laughs> He's not just here, ladies and gentlemen, for the ratings for for the looks. You're that's right. it. Somebody's got it. It's not us. Well, no, he froze right there. Now he's back. Okay. You froze. That would have been perfect, right? (laughs) Oh, that was it. Leave on a high note like Costanza. (laughs) (laughs) And Scott died. Oh, great. Um, Just kidding. Glad you're still here, Scott. Uh, Yeah, there's a weather issue. It wasn't a random. Anyway, uh, Rocky had a good one. I thought this is kind of in the same vein that you were saying, Scott. And this is, again, a very much a Rocky trade. Doesn't involve quarterbacks at all because it's one QB. Who cares? But his was to send Terry McLaurin and a first to the team, uh, Marty Keene 13, and getting back Diggs and a second. So in theory, you're upgrading from McLaurin to Diggs and trading back in the draft from a first to a second. And again, I don't know if you're really worried about a first. If you're this dominant of a team, you're, what, 112 in a 1QB league? I mean, yeah, Yeah. it's like I'm not too worried about giving that up. And you're getting what could be a 206, right? You could be only moving back six rounds or six spots, not six rounds. And then you're getting a pretty good upgrade, I think, Diggs over McLaurin. I don't hate either one of those. But that kind of goes to what you were saying, Joe, and even what you were saying, Scott. You want to stud in every position. Diggs is a stud. Diggs is one of those guys that you can't find everywhere. And I think that does upgrade your wide receiver three, your flex, however you want to word it. Uh, it gives you a better spot there to score more points. So that's kind of what, what Rocky came up with. So Joe, I guess, what do you think about that one? Whether it's yeah, McLaurin well, in a you, first, is that a good thing? Before, right. I mean, if you're worried about Antonio Gibson next year with the quarterback situation, then shouldn't you be worried about McLaurin too? A little bit. I mean, not that he hasn't been great with some of the worst quarterback play I've ever seen <laughs> for the last two years, but I digress. <laughs> you don't know what it's going to be. But you're talking about Diggs as a top three wide receiver. McLaurin is a low-end wide receiver one. That's probably his ceiling. I don't think Terry McLaurin's going to all of a sudden challenge for a top five spot anytime soon, as good of a player as he is. And so, Diggs yeah, can. I actually think yeah. – and, and Diggs can. And Diggs Already is. Was. I was yeah. like he basically was. Yeah, he, I mean, won he was leagues. What Devontae Adams did last year was special. I don't know if that's repeatable. We'll see. But, yeah, I'm actually pretty good with that. I think the the one thing I will say to kind of wrap this segment up, I do think, and there, actually I'll say this before we wrap this up, but Stephen, when we looked at the league, I saw this too. Rocky put it on the sheet. He has an offer of a, somebody sending him a 2023 third for Todd Gurley. Oh, God. And Rocky you, said, accept immediately. Why have you yeah, not accepted that trade? Like, get rid of Gurley. Even though it's a third round pick, at least In it's 2023, I don't care. It's something. It's better. Yes, yeah, I was a high- 
I almost accepted sandwich it. right now. I almost accepted it because we had to log into his his league to see this. I almost was like, just oops, I accidentally accepted. It. I forgot. Like, just helping you out here, Stephen, because I think that's the kind of trade that you're just like. I would love to see that in my inbox. And the two teams I've got, Gurley, if it showed up, I'd be like, smash accept. I don't even care. It's something. All right. So uh, to kind of wrap up with this, though, I do think, Stephen, your team is locked and loaded for this year. I don't think you have any concerns. I think looking at the other teams too, and kind of going through the rosters. I don't think there's really anybody that even comes close to competing with you. I think even if CMC misses the year, you're still the favorite. And that says a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like this league has just got some, some rough teams in it. And again, with, with the 20 teams and starting or 20 man rosters and starting eight, I expected to see a lot more studs. There were a couple that were, you know, pretty good, but this by far, I think was the best team to me in value. So good work, man. Good work. Way to listen, way to pay attention and, you know, keep coming back. Let us know how you're uh, you're spending your winnings after this year because it's almost locked and loaded right here. This is terrific. <laughs> All right. So I guess before we before we dispatch for the night, I guess, Joe, is there anything you wanted to plug, anything you wanted to talk about, I guess, uh, that well, you're working on? First of all, let me just tell you, I go on a lot of shows. This is really fun. This was excellent. You guys are doing a fantastic job. I'm sorry Rocky uh, wasn't able to, to get in here, too. Yeah, we're really sorry, too. This is a four-person <laughs> show. Yeah. yeah, I could tell. I could tell you guys really missed him. Just really broke it up. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, man, like you guys are crushing it, man. This is a really good show. You guys should be very proud of what you're doing here. You're doing yeah, really, Thanks, really Joe. good work. And uh, I don't say that to all the gals, um, so, <laughs> but I, I was, but you really are. So you should be very proud of what you're doing here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, everybody knows they can find it. I'm on Twitter at JoePZPS17. Go get your fantasy football black book. Like Scott said, makes you smarter. Uh, and it's also, I think, don't you think, Scott, as someone who reads it, right? What's up, real deal? How you doing? Um, don't you think like it's like strategies? That's the thing that isn't talked about enough. The player pool isn't talked about enough. All we talk about is rankings and player profiles and all that. It's great. But at the same time, like the black book's trying to give you approach for all the different leagues you're in. And I think that's the, and that's what I'm so proud of. It's a mindset. Almost. It's a mindset is right. And, and once you understand RPV, it's kind of how you see the board. Like it makes drafting so much easier, becomes ingrained in you. It helps you form tiers. It it helps every single, it helps you in trades. It helps you in lineups. It doesn't even form tiers. It defines them. Exactly. Which is the thing. It's like tiers are great. You know, rankings are good. Tiers are better. Quantified rankings. That's what it's about. And you can go get that on Amazon. uh, And uh, of course, check me out on the Fantasy Pros podcast. We've got the Fantasy Football uh, 12 hour crazy Fantasy Football Fest next Thursday for from 10 to 10. So that's going to be a good time. And uh, what else? Oh, and Sports Career TV, we're bringing the uh, football show back. So uh, starting Sunday morning, first game day, awesome. 8 to 10, two hours of fantasy football on Sports Grid TV. You're not going to find two hours of television fantasy football. It's me, my buddy Matt Stryker, uh, and uh, Craig Mish. So it's going to be awesome. Great, and, uh Yeah, and that's it, man. Just uh, rocking and rolling. If you like wrestling, too, go check out In This Ring. It's a fun little... That's right. Yeah, you got a wrestling podcast. You got a baseball your project. Yeah. All over the place. You're 32 like, what do you do for fun? And... What do you do for fun when you get off doing podcasts? Uh, I do a wrestling podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's almost like fantasy football is your job and wrestling is your hobby now, right? Everybody you just kind of rotate it a little. Yeah. Everybody needs an outlet. That's right. You know? that's right. And, and oh, it used to awesome. be hitting people, but I can't do that anymore. So now I just I just talk about it. That's smart. That's good. It's less, uh, it's less dangerous. Less injury and, I, and I cook. I cook and bake. So I, that's, 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 oh, it. yeah. I didn't well, expect I spent, that. I spent 10 plus years, I mean, as a professional fight choreographer. So that used to be my other job. I was working in fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then the last couple of years I've switched to just doing fantasy. So it's hard. You don't have that outlet oh. on the weekends anymore. You, you know, 
you know, choke Scrap somebody up. up on a wall or something like that. Like is, you know, so you have to find <laughs> other things that you like to do. And, Can't go John yeah, Wick on yeah. someone. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, get what I you're can, saying. but I've had yeah. some of my students who were actually in that movie. So. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> Great having you on the joke. I've lived a lot of lives, boys. <laughs> I was going to say, and when you come back on next time, we'll talk about a whole different set of hobbies. I'm sure by then. 100%, right? dude. I, yeah. I'd love to come back on with you guys. You guys are kicking ass, man. I love it. No, but we felt again, you're perfect for this because Scott and Rocky and I, all of us are all about the, the, the logic and the game of it. And yeah, and, and kind of even Scott put it perfectly with the portfolio, right? There's so many ways to play this game. You can play it with 46 dynasty leagues and a portfolio and having it as values and assets and not yeah, caring about players. You can play it as I, I have 15 leagues and I take care of them each like their own, my little baby. You know what I mean? Like I got to take care of these guys. <laughs> you can take care of it like Joe with the 32 team league and IDP and all these crazy bells and whistles. Not there is yourself. no wrong way. Yeah, true. <laughs> but there is no wrong way to play this. And that's what I love about this is that all of us are here to kind of help you be a better player in whatever format you're in, whether it's a 20 man roster, eight player league or a crazy deep 45 team right so this is where i think we're, we're definitely on the same page so really appreciate you coming on joe and i knew i knew you'd and be you're a, a good, good host fit. andrew you were all afraid i think you did a terrific job buddy. hearing that from you joe man makes me makes me happy because i know you're, you're i a tell definite. no lies man i say a lot of things but lies ain't one of them <laughs> <laughs> well, i know it all right well scott i guess when, get your uh get your handle and everything like that and we'll kind of get us out of here tonight yeah, yeah. You can follow me at Scott underscore Sidlow. I know it's very creative. I'm just that kind of guy, you know. Um, I just followed him, by the way, so you all should too. Oh, yeah. yeah. he that, that is that is a true story. True story. Um, and Joey P, man, this has been uh, like fantasy bucket list for me, man, because oh. I've been reading you, <laughs> listening to you. I mean, before all these podcasts that I got into, I used to listen to just XM Fantasy all the time. Right. So, so there, I mean... Yeah man uh so yeah this is really cool so Thanks, glad man. to have you get your perspective on dynasty which is awesome i know you guys touch on it a little bit and uh you know in fantasy pros but you guys are my go-to for for redraft too um and so man it's just it's just awesome to to be on here with you I, I was cursing the storms uh normally something <laughs> i enjoy but i was like if this keeps me from joey p <laughs> but uh Hey, we made it. We made it. We made so, it. We did it, baby. Thank you so much too. for your time. Yeah. I really, yeah, really yeah, you appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate you you being me. And and let me tell you, it's 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 funny because like you see the work you do and people like you who are very astute like when you're talking about Daryl Henderson, so hi, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's exactly the right like that's the thing. And that's that's what I'm trying to do. I want to teach everybody to do it better, you know, and then do it on exactly. their own. That's what you guys are doing. It's great. It's terrific, man. Yeah, we're all junkies here together, man. We're all just addicts yeah, trying to get man, better. Yeah, let's go. We're not kicking this habit. Let's be clear. That's why we're the junkies. We're just <laughs> yeah, getting worse. You know what I mean? say. Getting in deep. That's fine. But no, so you can find me on Twitter at Andrew Hall FF. Give me a follow. Give me a shout out. You know, hit me with the DMs. I always tell people, and I say this on every show I go on, I don't do rankings because they're pointless, right? Rankings are just kind of a generic <laughs> way to sort of rank things, but it changes. Every league is different scoring. Every league has different markets. Every league is a unique thing. So I'd much rather you send me a DM and say, what do you think about this trade? Or what do you think about this player? Should I trade? I'd much rather have an 18 DM back and forth conversation than what do you think of McLaurin or Diggs? And I just go Diggs. How is that helpful? Like, come on, like, let me help you get better at the game. Let me explain my thought. Context is everything. That's I why that. I do this. What do you, you do this trade? Well, well, yeah. What's the context? What's the yeah. format? Like, what I would I, do it like, in a vacuum, but that doesn't help. You're not in a vacuum, dude. Do Diggs for no uh, McLaurin here? Vacuum. And uh, like, well, 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 why? Well, talk yeah. to me about it. Like, yeah. Or when they uh, go like, would you trade uh, Allen for Damien? And I'm like, 
who are Keenan Allen? Who? Allen Robinson? Like, what you, <laughs> Damian like, Williams? Exactly. Like I don't. You gotta be. Uh. Or even like, w- would you trade Williams for Brown? Yes, every time. I love Brown. I don't know which Brown, but I love the color. Uh, so yeah, it just it gets ridiculous. But I always say that to people. Hit me up on the DMs. Uh, you can also follow the podcast at Dynasty Junkies. Make sure you follow the DAP Network, the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. DAP underscore network on Twitter. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. We love when people come on our show and and have a good time and, and comment and all that. Uh, make sure you download and listen on your favorite podcast apps. Of course, find us in, in every sort of platform you can. If you can't find us, let us know. But for the most part, Scott, I'll let you finish this off. All right. And hey, what's up, Kyle Sunra? I just wanted to say hey to you. I saw you in the comments there, buddy. Yep. And uh, with that, for Andrew, for Joey P, I'm Scott Sidlow. Junkies out.